Today's episode of Tyson Tate is brought to you by DraftKings. Are you ready for the mania? Well, we were very ready for the mania. Weren't we, Mark Titus? We were very ready. We wish it was happening. There's a different kind of mania going on in this world that I'm not ready for whatsoever. That, that's very that's very true. But uh, regardless, you know, a lot of people in these times they turn to uh, DraftKings and the sports book. You can get you know all the uh, action that you need with DraftKings Sportsbook, whether it be marbles, you know, marble racing, or anything that's going on uh, in the world. You can catch up on all that sort of stuff. So download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code Tate when you sign up. For a limited time, a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget, enter code Tate and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. There's marble racing. There's dog watching and racing. I don't know. There's lots of things to bet on, I'm sure, Mike Tennis. We'll figure that out. But, uh, again, that is DraftKings Sportsbook, promo code Tate. Uh, you must be 21 or older uh, in Indiana only. Bonus comprised of a first spotted bonus and a first bet uh, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times play through. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Today's episode of Titus and Tate is... Uh, what do we call in this Tate? Uh, the NCAA tournament is canceled. Um, you and I, I have not seen you in over a week. You've been quarantined. I'm also quarantined. We're talking via Skype. Um, I'm in my kitchen. Where are you? Uh, I am in an office in an undisclosed location. Uh, I cannot even go to my own home. I've been banned by my roommates. Uh, it is a, it is a time unlike any other. We both know this. Um, I think the, the best way to describe this podcast is I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, we know John Rothstein likes to say this is March and this is March question mark is where I'm at now. This is March. I don't know. Yeah. Um, this is the first podcast we've done um, since the NCAA tournament was canceled. Uh, so I imagine we'll talk a little bit about that. Rick Pitino was hired, Tate. He's got a job. He's back in college basketball. The world needed a hero. Rick Pitino said, I will be your hero. I am back. Um, we'll, we'll hit on that a little bit. But yeah, this is uh, this is very bizarre territory as is, uh, uh, you know, as is going to be the case for, for a while going forward. But um, we'll see where this thing goes. <laughs> We'll see where we are. Uh, we're going to do point our... out that uh, there are silver linings and there's a silver fox, and that silver fox is Rick Pitino, and he gave us a silver lining, and uh, that was the only good news we had this weekend. Rick Pitino is back in college basketball. He is back in the area of New York City, and he's closer to becoming the Brooklyn Nets head coach in about I don't know ten months. I'm just, I'm excited about. It. Although he said his he said his buyout, uh, only Fort Knox University can afford his buyout, so we'll <laughs> see um, if the. Does Brooklyn Nets have more money than Fort Knox University? Uh, we have no idea what's going to happen. So uh, I, I have no idea what's going to happen in the world at large. I have no idea what's going to happen on this podcast today. But um, we're trying out something new. We're trying to keep this machine rolling. Uh, join us. Come along for the ride. Let's see what happens. But first, Woody Durham. All right, we buried the lead at the top there, Tate. Um, where where are you? How do you feel? What's going on? Uh, everyone that tuned into the podcast, you might have noticed um, the last show we did, uh, I was by myself, sitting in the same seat I'm sitting in, in my kitchen, um, and I just kind of monologued. I did my best Ryan Rossillo monologue, um, <laughs> where I just kind of rambled, and then I had a tangent on top of a tangent on top of a tangent, and next thing you know, I'm talking about Nike stock, 
and I don't know how I got there. <laughs> um, because yeah. you were sick. How do you feel? You're obviously better. You're you're ready to join the podcast again. You mentioned burying the lead, and I will say this. Uh, I am on the West Coast. My family lives in North Carolina. I am 3,000 miles away, and I try to do this thing where sometimes, you know, out of mind, out of sight, and let's not, you know, bring in any bad news because that may freak out my small-town family. My parents, mm. they listen religiously to Titus and Tate, uh, which I appreciate and I love. I had not told them uh, on Friday that I had, you know, been feeling a little bit under the weather yet. And then they woke up on oh. Saturday, listened to the podcast, heard the diatribe that you so beautifully put together, which I, I thought was a great podcast. I mean, we've joked a lot of times about, you know, uh, the Ryan Rosilla rants from back in the day. I always enjoyed your your impressions of those rants. Um, and it, it was great. I enjoyed it. But I did not enjoy the fact that, like, my mom is calling me on Saturday morning. and She's like, you're sick. What do you mean you're sick? And I'm like, uh, <coughs> you know, like, uh. and, uh, and uh, so I went to urgent care. Uh, I, I had great Trezair taking care of me. I've been quarantined since Thursday. My birthday was on Friday, happened to be Friday the 13th. So uh, the irony, I can I can see it oozing out of me at this point. But I'm feeling a little bit better today. Uh, like I said, I've been in quarantine. I've been going slightly crazy. So if I say anything, out of, you know, that's out of line today or a little wacky, like, hey, I don't know, maybe BYU was the best team in the country. Don't get mad at me. Just know that it's because no, I'm in court. I think this is the new normal. I think this is what people are uh, having have to get used to. Uh, both of us have to get used to it as well, where um, we can't be held responsible for anything. It's the Wild West. It's officially the Wild It's like we weren't around. We were both too young for the start of podcasting in, like, what, 2006, 2007, whenever it really started. Whenever Corolla I feel like and we're just, Mark Maron, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we just went in a time machine and went back there, and now like we're <laughs> it's like yeah. the Wild West all over again. Like they're only because you're you're looking around at all these podcasts, like no one has the technology. Like I I keep seeing that podcasts I follow, people are like, we don't know how we're going to do this. We don't really have the technology. We haven't figured it out. So like some people can't podcast. Other people are just like we're we're cruising along as though nothing happened. We're, you and I are somewhere in between. Um, it's the Wild West again, and with that, we can't be held responsible for anything we say. Um. But yeah, glad you're feeling better, buddy. And I'm sorry if I incited panic, but uh, I didn't really know how else to... How long do you think I could have gone... How, how could I have done a podcast on my own before anyone realized you weren't there? I mean, honestly, that's <laughs> I could have got like 10 to 15 minutes in. <laughs> well, when it started to happen, like the worst part about the whole situation, to give you some BTS for the people out there, was as we're leading into this week, you know, there's conference tournaments were coming up. This is a time just last week when we thought that we would have conference tournaments that would lead to a selection Sunday. We, we thought we were going to get there. And leading into that, I'm saying to myself, man, we got like a lot of shows to get prepped for. I'm kind of stressing myself out. I'm also turning 27. You know that I've told you plenty of times how I've joked about being in the 27 club. It's a joke until you turn 27. Then you're like, wait a second. I'm not sure what the joke was. So all that's leading up to it. And then all the sickness comes and then all the cancelizations. And then just the fact that we're dealing with a pandemic. It's, you mentioned going back in time. I mean, 1918 was the last time that happened. I was not around back then. We weren't. You know, obviously we weren't around for the start of podcasting. We definitely weren't the, the, around for the last pandemic. So, so much has changed. It's Michael Wilbon was there though. Michael Wilbon <laughs> was at that game. Yeah, he was at that game. I, remember, I do remember that. Um, but when you, when you like try to compartmentalize it and, and piece it together from the last time we actually spoke on the air, it is so much has changed that I don't even know where to start, but I think it's a pretty simple, you know, point to the pyramid, which is there is no March madness. It is canceled. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, the, you you hit the nail on the head. It feels like you and I last did a show together like a month ago, two months ago, three years ago. I mean, or for God's sake, I'm not, I'm not even sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it was only a week ago. Um, yeah, so March Madness is canceled. We, we, we've had some time to digest that. Um, how are you feeling about that in the set? Like, where, where have you landed on this? And I guess I'll go first. The, I, I'm asking a question that I want to answer myself, yeah, <laughs> which is to say that um, I weirdly have found myself not like I don't want to watch old highlights. I don't want to watch old clips. I don't. It's like. I don't know. I don't know how to describe the the mindset I'm in, but I'm trying to just like not. I I don't know how I ended up here, but like I don't want to consume any March Madness content of any kind whatsoever because it's like too fresh. Um, like I I, I don't want to rewatch clips from back in the day. I don't want. I did. I didn't want a bracket to come out. Like I know a lot of people did. They wanted to see. They thought the teams deserved to see where they would have been seated and um all of that. I didn't want that. Like I don't. I don't even want to talk about it. I. And I don't know why that's it's I'm very surprised that that's my feeling. But when I see people like tweeting um, like highlights, they're like, hey, this is, you know, we don't have March Madness, but we do have this memory from six years ago. This happened yeah. in the tournament. Remember Eric Maynard? I just scroll right like, past yeah, it. I remember Eric Maynard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm scrolling right past it. And I think it's just because like I, it's too fresh. It hurts too much. Um, and I, I think that might be what it is. I don't know what's going on. I, I, it's very bizarre that I feel that way. Is that how do you feel? Where do you stand on all that? I would say it's the NCAD for us instead of the NCAA, which is the disassociation, like you said. I mean, it's kind of like we're not even sure what to do with ourselves because we are so bought in into what we expect from this time in March. And it's also weird because, funny enough, I mean, the joke, it's obviously not all a joke, but like this year in college basketball, we've talked about how bad it is. Like, this is officially mm-hmm. the worst season of college basketball in the sense that like there's no definitive answer to who the winner is uh there was no definitive answer during the season who the winner was or who the best team was really (laughs) some people may say it's kansas the coaches think it might be kansas but again like that whole ethos has led to this which is nothing we have nothing to show for any of this which is why we want to disassociate there are people that are going to respond to us and say you guys say it's the worst season ever here (laughs) As though this is officially the uh, having worst. the tournament canceled doesn't. You, you know what's funny? I want to. Uh, I think I found my way back in. One thing I am interested in here. Here's how I get plugged back into like wanting to consume college basketball again. Um, so everyone seems to have found their corner. All the media people have found their corner. Like I saw Goodman is doing the one shiny moment on Twitter, where he's like, "You send me any team that made a one shiny moment video, and I will retweet it." Yep. And then SVP is doing his senior night thing, where it's like, I want to tell the stories of all the seniors that didn't get their final send off, even though they all kind of did get their senior nights. But I understand what he means by that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, everyone kind of has picked their little lane that, like, this is how I'm going to mourn the loss of March Madness. I want my lane Tate to be, I will retweet any instance of a coach saying that he had the national, he thought he was going to win the national championship. He was, he was convinced that he was winning the national championship. It started with John Calipari, yes. who, um, Suspended Ashton Hagens, who hated, who was butting heads with Ashton Hagens, and then as soon as the tournament was canceled, says, "I love this team more than any team I've had in 11 years. Mm-hmm. He loves it more than the Anthony Davis national title team. He the loves it more than the 38 no team. Mm-hmm. He loves, yeah, he loves it more than the the Tyler Eulis Jamal Murray team, which I really enjoy. Malik, uh, the Monk, Malik Monk, Bam Adebayo, De'Aaron Fox, the team that was crying when they lost to Luke May, and and that was like everyone was so heartbroken about that in Big Big Blue Nation. He loves this team more than any of those other teams, and it definitely has nothing to do with the fact that 
he doesn't have to actually go out and prove it in the NCAA tournament. So now he can conveniently just say it. Um, so with that, I have a feeling he started a precedent, and we're going to hear this where uh, coaches are over the the coming months as everyone's quarantined and we're desperate for content, and people are just going to interview all these coaches. Um, we're going to hear from like 28 coaches that say, I feel like I had the national title team. Whereas if you would have polled college basketball coaches like three weeks ago and said, how do you feel about your team? I think like five coaches would have been like, I like them. Yeah. I think they're okay. The rest of them are like, we fucking suck. <laughs> I think that if you look at it, one, Coach Calipari is a genius, right? And again, you like you said, he's a trendsetter. So he puts it out to the world. This team would have won the national championship. And, you know, Evan Daniels, you know, uh, he's a great reporter for Scott.com. He did their 247 and he did the full thing with all the coaches and they did a whole poll. Like who would have won? And I think 49 votes at Kansas. And, you know, you go down the list. It's like the, the usual suspect. Dayton's in there. Gonzaga's in there. Yada, yada, yada. But the funniest part of the whole poll, right? John Calipari, again, said this team would have won the national. He believes they would have won the national championship. All these coaches were asked by Evan Daniels. Not one said Kentucky. Not one said Louisville. <laughs> Not one, not one of them. So it's funny to me, like you said, that he would say this, considering the fact that the coaches in the world were like, there's no way. In fact, we saw Calipari in Vegas again. He said Ohio State was the best team in the country at that point, and that his team had a lot to figure yeah. out. And the kids at this point, that was in December. So it's funny how quickly mm -hmm. that changed. But what mm -hmm. I want to ask you is what coach, like how far is it down the line? Is Frank Haith going to come out and say we, we were going to win the national championship? Because that's the next step. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's like, Frank – Frank, uh, projection said you weren't even making the tournament. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. We were going to go on a run. We were going to win the American, and then we were going to win the national championship. Um, I have no doubt in my mind. I, I would do the same thing. I would, if I was a coach, why not? Why not say that? I, I think, I realistically do think there are going to be a lot of coaches that, I, I don't think they're going to say national championship, but they're definitely going to say final four. I think it is going to be a Dick Vitale situation where, we're going to have 16 teams in the final four, at least. I mean, Wisconsin, it, I mean, if you really do think about it though, cause like what's happening, um, what is happening is, is you're, you're, you're hearing from all these programs about how, like teams that didn't get a chance. And you really think about it. This happens every year in March, but like every year it plays out where like only one team does actually become the team of destiny. But this year we don't get to see who it was. So we're left with all these teams that truly believe they're the team of destiny. Wisconsin feels like they're the team of destiny. They're really hot. They, they, snuck in to the they they want they backdoored their way into winning the Big Ten title and getting the one seed. Um they were really hot. San Diego State, they feel like they were the team of destiny. Dayton obviously feels like a team of destiny. Michigan State feels like a team of destiny. Kansas. You start going down the list and all these teams are like, yes, I, I see a path where I was I was we were part of the team of destiny and uh, now we don't get a chance to to prove it. Um, but it's convenient because you don't have to prove it. It's great. I, I think this is going to be a positive I for mean, all these teams. At the end of the day, like you said, if you, yeah, for the legacy, <laughs> for you can legacy. always tell a story Literally. that like, that was yeah. the year. You know what I mean? And I, I think my uh, – you mentioned all the little tropes that everyone's up to, like to kind of fill that void. And my favorite was Mark Pope with BYU. And I already brought them up earlier because I love this BYU team. But he got Greg Gumbel and everyone to, to put together what would have been Selection Sunday for BYU. And then he basically got them to get their seed and they all recorded on a voice note or whatever they did, sent it to BYU. They pieced it together in a little package and he played it for his team. And then, you know, at the end, they're like, look, this BYU team, they seem like they're destined for Atlanta. That was like the last line. So like e every team was destined for Atlanta. That's the story. Right. Everyone would have gone to Atlanta. Right. But no one did. But no one, no one actually did. The one thing missing from that video was we needed a shot of the BYU team sitting there eating 
like their plate of food and then and it cuts to up. them and then they just stay they stay still for 15 seconds and then they jump up at the you know and then and then they jump up right as CBS cuts away from them that's what we uh that's what we really needed uh so where do you where do you stand on like consuming March Madness content like how are you mourning how are you um processing all of this are you taking this similar path with me as like I I think it's because like I think if we start acknowledging the past, if if I'm gonna start watching all these other videos, it's it's kind of like me accepting that the tournament's not coming. So I I keep telling myself I don't want to watch old videos. I'm gonna wait for the real thing. I don't want your turkey bacon. I want the real thing. Make cook me up some real bacon. I know it's coming. I know I, I refuse to accept this reality. I think that might be what I have what I have going on. How are you processing it though? In, in terms of turkey bacon, I'll say this, you know, I think that I'm just trying to be healthy because I'm worried. So I'm, I'm going to eat the turkey bacon. So I'm going to watch the highlights. You know, I'm going to engage in all this sort of stuff because I just want to feel it. You know what I mean? Like the other day I mentioned Eric Maynard, but then someone sent me the Lehigh game, you know, CJ McCollum, like the little six minute package of CJ McCollum tearing up Duke in 2012. I loved it. You know what I mean? And then yeah, I loved it so much. I was like, let me go look up that Mercer game. And then I'm watching Jabari Parker lose to Mercer, and I'm like, this is a lot of fun. And then I'm watching Ali Farukamesh, you know, hit big shots. I'm like, man, this is great. Jesperson hitting his shot. So I went like on a little tangent on Saturday when I was not feeling great at all. I was like, let me just like try to cope a little bit and just try to have a moment of March Madness where I can feel it. The time that it really hit me and I had your disassociation feeling was on Sunday. When it was actually Selection Sunday, we had big plans, you know, for the people out there that are listening. You know, we were going to do a full-on show at the Fox lot. You know, it was going to be blown out Selection Sunday. We're going to have the tuxedos on. The bag boys are back. We're dropping the bag corporately. I was very excited about all this stuff, you know. That was the day that really hit me because I knew this year was going to end one way. And I knew it. And, and deep in the, my loins that Bill Self was going to win the title. Bill Self was going to get him middle fingered in the NCAA, and Snoop Dogg was going to come down on stage and start rapping. And that's all I had in my head, you know. And to be robbed of that moment, that really hurt. Yeah, Sunday sucked. I went and picked up my tux at the dry cleaners, and uh, that was just such a such a sad such a sad situation to have to pick that thing up and and not get a chance to wear it. And uh, yeah, I've been quarantined a, so long, I wasn't able to take mine to the dry cleaning before I became quarantined. So. If I'm being honest too, I think part of part of my disassociation too is like it is very bizarre um to be living in the world right now and to pretend like the tournament matters. matters. <laughs> you know, exactly. like that's the other thing that's weird. Like I even feel weird like doing the show right now cuz like I don't know. I on the one hand it's like you got to you got to maintain a sense of normalcy in your life and like we should probably keep trying to do our job and um I don't know if you call this entertainment to people, but whatever it is for people, uh, keep keep doing the show. But on the other hand, it's like, who cares? <laughs> like, who who ultimately cares that? Um, I don't know. There's like more serious things going on, so it's like just really bizarre. Because uh, I mean, I said that in my my rambling monologue, just like how bizarre that whole scene was of um, the Big East was playing and and Rob Stone's in the studio talking about how all, every other tournament is canceled. The, the the world is ending. Um, stay inside. Don't talk to anyone. Don't get within ten feet of anyone. Um, sanitize everything. All right, now back to the garden where St. Johnson, Creighton are are uh, yeah, square off. Yeah, body up against each other and yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was, yeah. That, and you're that like, was this the is. Part of the time, yeah. but, by the way, that game there were they, they they were supposed to not have any fans in the crowd. There were at least a thousand people at that game. So um, 
Like I turned that on. Like I'm, I'm I, I even tweeted that. Like I'm kind of glad that the Big East tried to play because it showed how there was never any hope that that could happen, where we could play these games with like not that many people in the crowd. Because the essential people, I mean, my God, the, the the one funny silver lining of it all was like the, they they said essential people only, and then you got the St. John's mascot, whatever the hell that thing is, <laughs> sitting in the stands by himself, and you're like, how is this it's essential? Johnny. Who who decided that this was essential? <laughs> Uh, he did. He was like, I will be at this game. I'll be in the crowd. Yeah. I, I mean, like you said, it's a very serious, I mean, all of it's very serious and we try to do a funny, you know, quirky show on college basketball. But again, none of this has to do with college basketball. And I think, you know, it comes back to all of these players, like you said, Scott Pimpel wants to pay, you know, homage to Miles Powell and Marcus Howard and a Jake Tolson and these guys that are leaving or Anthony Cow and guys that are leaving college basketball and familiar faces that we've seen around the game. Doka has a bouquet. And they're gone, and we may not see them in this space again, and they never got their quote-unquote rightful farewell, you know, in the general, like, you know, monoculture of we're all watching March Madness. We all see this. We all remember Adam Morrison's last game. We all remember J.J. Reddick's last game. We won't remember Yudoka Hazabuke's last game, really, you know? And I think that's the only thing that I can feel, like, the connection of, like, I, I hate that for those guys. I hate that they don't have that moment of closure. But it's such a bigger moment collectively that we almost as a college basketball community have to come together. And I think I have to give kudos to the Jay Billis's of the world and the Dickie Vitales of the world, because I can't believe that they were so initially on the, you know, forefront of, we can't have a tournament. You know, I, I did not expect that to be yeah. uh, the response to this, but I knew that I did not think that we were going to have a tournament as soon as I was watching the game live in Utah, or they cut away to Utah and NBA TV when I was watching and they said, they're not playing the game. I knew at that point something had happened. Someone on the court or someone close, like a coach or someone had it, you know. And and when that moment happened, I was like, if professional basketball players are not going to be playing, they cannot sit yeah. amateur basketball players to play. Right. You know, that was like the first time it hit me. <clears throat> and then from there, it was kind of like, you know, this this in the back. Of, well, I mean, I guess they still could. And then as we kept going through the fallout, I was like, oh, the AC tournament's done, and the Big Ten is done, and da da da. Mm-hmm. And Duke Duke. Let me just say this, you know, I, I make fun of Duke a lot of this program. A lot of people think that I hate Duke more than I love Carolina. And that's not true. But I like to make fun of Duke. But I will point out the fact that Duke Hospital is an amazing hospital. Um, the infrastructure around them outside of Coach K is, you know, full of very good people, usually, for the most part. I'm not including Coach K in that. But, like, the people surrounding. And Kevin White made a, a very strong decision, a bold decision to say, we're not going to be part of the NCAA tournament, which – I think the NCAA is getting a little bit of credit for what the institutions were doing themselves, which also leads to a kind of larger conversation about the NCAA. And if Duke or Kansas says, hey, we want to pay our players or do whatever, then the NCAA is going to react. So we kind of of learned the infrastructure of how it really works. It's like if the power players want to do something and make a decision, the NCAA will follow suit. And I think outside of obviously the seriousness of the the, the, the virus and everything going around and the actual public structure, we learned about the real structure of the NCAA, which is Duke runs the show. You know, Kevin White and Duke, Kevin White runs a member committee. He's like, we're not going to do this. This is not happening. This is not safe. And the NCAA follows suit. That's not the case. And that's what I kind of learned we, from all this as far as like what, what the trickle down, you know, economics are of the NCAA a little bit. We learned that, and we learned that the Big East is the toughest conference after all. I mean, that they were playing. Yes, the old, the, the old Big East. <laughs> They'll never leave. The, the old Big we East is back. Um, 
I knew I I got worried about this um, when I left for so when I left for my Dayton uh, East Lansing trip um, and and I went to LAX to fly out. I must have saw four people wearing face masks if I had to put a number on it. For a few, but like honestly, if you go to LAX at any point in time, there are probably a couple people wearing face masks, like the you know the surgeon mask I'm talking about. The um, I, I I saw like four people and I was like, oh okay, so coronavirus is a thing but it's not you know like it doesn't seem like that people worried about it or whatever and then um i go to the games i fly back on monday and when i touch down on lax just going from my plane to the shuttle i must have saw 50 people wearing masks and i remember just like thinking oh my god like somebody knows something that i don't and then i started like reading up and then we did a show that night that was when we did like the last show together um and we we were talking about it before we did the show. Where it was like, I think this might actually happen. Like, I really think they might end up canceling these games. And uh, we were like bouncing ideas off of each other as to why. And I was like, I I wasn't pretending to have information no one else had because like I was still sort of researching what what the hell was going on. Um, but no, I mean like we were like we we had Duncan on. We were like joking about it because we thought you know like did, we we've been here as a society before where there's like a disease. It, it, or, or, or a virus going around, whatever. And it's never always like kind of on people's radar, but it's never been something that's, that could seriously threaten civilization as we know it. Um, but I, I remember just coming back and be like, Oh my God, this is a big deal. And then you and I were talking about it. And then it was just a slow trickle where it was like, you're hearing about like media can't be allowed in the locker rooms. And you're like, oh, okay, so that's reasonable. I mean, if that's, if that's all it is, then we're good, you know? Like, who really cares? The media, the sports writers can't get in the locker rooms. Who gives a damn? That doesn't really change anything. And then there, yeah. then you hear, like, the NCAA is considering maybe playing games without fans. And you're like, whoa, that would be weird, but it's probably not going to happen. But, man, could you imagine? That would be so weird. And then, like, suddenly they're like, no, we think we have to play without fans. And you're like, whoa, this is revolution. Like, this is going to – we'll be talking about this forever. But every, basically what I'm – the point I'm trying to get to is, like, every single announcement – felt like that was the final announcement. And then suddenly like some sort of switch gets flipped where you realize that every announcement is not the final announcement. And that was, that was like a very strange thing. Cause like when they'd say we're not having fans suddenly I was like, Oh, they're just going to cancel the tournament. It's only a matter of time. Like we're just waiting for that, that point. Um, but up until that point, like every announcement I was like, Oh, so that's how they're going to deal with it. I guess that's it. That's all we have to worry about now. Um, it was just it was just crazy how it just got flipped on its head and and you know like like we've like we've already said it's only been a week which is absolutely crazy to think about because it's like it's been 6 years <laughs> i mean i, I knew yeah yeah exactly and i knew exactly that the tournament was never going to happen as soon as duke put out the little news release that was basically like we we're shutting down all athletic you know like for for spring mm-hmm. sports winter sports we're all done with that as soon as that came out i was like wait a second duke's not in the NCAA tournament amazing and then yeah and then i was well, like the, oh wait a second if duke's on the NCAA tournament there is no NCAA tournament because carolina is not yeah. in the NCAA tournament, well, so they can't the, have both of them out and here we are the ivy league canceling was a big one too because i i was yes. racking my brain about my that where i was tournament. like you know i get yeah yeah that was really sad for you sure. i know how excited you were looking uh how much you're looking forward to watching that um i i, I just i was like trying to rack my brain because i'm like all right if Corona is such a big deal that the Ivy league doesn't think that they can play their tournament, why would they send Yale to the NCAA tournament? And 
I, I I still wasn't really quite sure as to why they didn't just say like we're not sending any team to the tournament. Maybe it got it. Maybe you could argue that they left that up to Yale's decision at the time. Like that was that was a decision Yale could make at the time, whatever. But I I just started thinking about like the if someone else cancels their tournament, what do they do with the auto bids? Like if it, it, it I I just started like trying to figure out like this work because the structure was slowly getting pulled apart. And for me, the first thread that was pulled was the Ivy League tournament getting canceled. But um, I don't know. I I I was ahead of. I'm not saying I was ahead of. Uh, I, I want to walk that back. I, I was only ahead in the sense that, like, I was ahead in in, um, uh, in my friend group with the pessimism of the tournament being played. If that makes sense, like all my buddies I was talking to, I was like, I don't think they're playing the tournament. And at this point, they had all they had said is like, we're considering not having fans um, because you just start reading the tea leaves of all these schools that have their concerns and uh, just the rhetoric coming out of it. Like you said, like Billis. And and Dickie V and all these guys, uh, to their credit, were were ahead of it as well and saying like, I don't think this could happen. Like Sean Farnham was mine on ESPN uh, the night before the tournament was canceled. Like, why the hell are they not canceling this thing? Um, yeah. And yeah, j- just watching it all unfold was was absolutely crazy. And I'm still in denial about it all because I don't know, man. It's just such a weird time. Like it's it's like I said, it's like it's so weird to not have March Madness, and that in and of itself would make my existence bizarre just the fact that it's march and there's not college basketball being played but then on top of that you have like real life shit that's going on and it's like what are we doing (laughs) yeah what are we doing what are we doing and i mean i uh brian curtis is a a guy that you and i both know and i read his piece today about like you know the sports media aspect of this and how you know in journalism sports media we are the joke you know i mean everyone makes fun of journalists that are in sports because they don't do anything They're, they're they're playing with toys over in the corner and they don't really matter to journalism, but you know what Scott Van Pelt's of the world and you know what a lot of people have done in journalism in the sports world is basically use this as a way to get in that larger conversation, which is something that you and I, you know, have had to be, almost be forced to do, even though that's not the the necessary aspect of, of sports journalism what it used to be at some point back in the day. But this is now a larger conversation, and the fact that we don't have sports to be an escape from the the harsh reality of the time is unprecedented yeah. because we've always had something. I mean, I know some people are watching UFC or they're they're finding, you know, a race between, you know, two 12-year-olds outside and betting on it or whatever they're doing now with finding weird sports. The marbles. The marbles. That's where we are, man. It's, it's a very strange world. And we ruin words, not us, but the world. The world ruins words. Unprecedented is actually what this is. This is unprecedented. 1938, folks. Well, I, I read uh, – I read – read Curtis's article that he put on the ringer today and I I strained my neck I was nodding along so hard where the whole the whole premise is basically like we we everyone in sports media is a slapdick it's just at what degree of a slapdick are you you know like the guys who take themselves the most serious sports writer on earth is still yeah. a sports writer you're still like covering like you still do not matter and it's like I think this situation why it it kind of rocks like I'm just speaking from personal experience. I'm not going to compare my experience to anyone else, but like why I feel like I'm having an existential crisis with it all and why maybe I don't care about the tournament as much as I thought. I don't care about watching old highlights and all that is because I realize how ultimately insignificant I am to society at large that like there is no, I, I offer nothing to this world other than talking about 19 year olds playing basketball. And it's just a weird spot to find yourself in when like shit's hitting the fan and you want to help and you want to contribute to society, but you're like, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to continue to do a podcast except my kitchen and 
you know, I may, maybe that will help. But to your point, like you said, people are getting mad at you for coughing your hand. That adds to it too. Is like everyone's just so on edge, and it's so weird being in LA. I know you've been quarantined. You haven't been out much. Um, I I've been out in the sense that like I have to take my dog out. I have to go get groceries. I have to like still do things, and it just feels so crazy because no matter what you do, you're wrong. Like that is that is where we've arrived. Is like no matter and. and yelling at everyone about how everyone's saying don't panic but there's they like so many people are saying don't panic that you're like i don't know it feels like but yeah. they're panicking while they're yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you've yelled don't panic like 30 times in a row now like it sort of feels like you might be panicking um and people are like whatever you don't go to restaurants you're gonna kill it you're panicking. yeah you're gonna kill everybody if you go to restaurants and then other people are like hey assholes if you don't go to restaurants all these businesses are going under and you're you're part of the problem like that's a big one you're part of the problem no matter what you do you're part of the problem and um i'm just saying that to say that like that is where we found as a society and to pretend like the the big victim in all of this you and i because we can't watch kids play basketball is kind of asinine so i think that's kind of why like i i don't want to um i i don't want to like mourn the loss of march madness that much because like I'm more focused on the other stuff, which is like I stocked up for food, but I'm also a glutton and I've already eaten all my food because I just like stuff my face because I have nothing else to do. So now like what happens when I need more food? Is there going to be food on in the grocery? <laughs> That's what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about like I mean, would BYU as a six seed made a march to Atlanta in a hypothetical world. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I think that's like the weird thing we are talking about, which is like our world has always been, you know, tied to a reality at some level. Right. So now we're living in hypotheticals, which is, you know, I think the big discussion, you know, after the fact that the tournament was canceled came out, you know, there was all these reports like, well, they, they thought about doing a one through 16 seed in, in Atlanta and different locations and letting them play. And, you know, there was all a reaction to that. And then some of the coaches and people wanted, you know, to know what their seed would be. These kids need to know, you know, what what they would have been in the tournament. They deserve that moment. They need to see that. And I've even seen like the News and Observer did, you know, their own 68. We did our own bracket, you know, with, with our 68 teams. And then they projected out what would happen. I think that's all fine and dandy. But again, you're living in hypotheticals. And I think that's the, the, right. the weirdness for us. You know what I mean? It's like. I, I'm I'm all dandy with that, and you know Jay Billis said it perfectly. He's like, "That's for Lenardi and Jerry Palms of the world." You know, let them live in the hypotheticals. That's like that's what's fun during the regular season because all that is hypothetical. But then we get reality, right? You know, the fact that right. there is no reality to come. It's like let's get away from the hypotheticals because now it's a part of that ilk. You know, it's hypothetical. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about something that's tangible. Then instead of instead of arguing over who would have won the tournament and all that other stuff. Um, what, how, where, where, where do we fall on the eligibility issue of, cause uh, th that's, that's come up that, that the seniors should get another year. Um, the NCAA has already said that the spring sports uh, who haven't even started, I think most of them have not even started their seasons yet. Correct. I, I believe if, even if, even if they have, yeah, um, well, the NCAAs baseball, are, I think baseball has started. Yeah. Oh yeah. But they said that the, um, all the spring sports, you'll get another year of eligibility. Uh, if you want it, and they'll figure that out. And there's been a call now for um, these basketball guys, the seniors in particular, uh, because so many of these guys were were lovable. I mean, Cassius Winston, I think, is at the top of the list in terms of like the the guy you're rooting for, the senior that you're rooting for. That you that maybe maybe I'm speaking just for myself, but that's the guy I feel the most for, just given like everything he went through this year the with story. his brother and 
Yeah, and then on top of that, just like the ups and downs that Michigan State had, and like Josh Langford, um, who everyone has kind of forgotten about, but uh, was a senior as well on this team and didn't play a game. And um, just every everything surrounding Michigan State and then to have them playing so well uh, heading into the Big Ten tournament, uh, like a guy like Cassius Winston is who you really feel for, especially because like, let's be honest, I don't, I don't see what his NBA future is. Like he's he's probably if you talk to the experts, I'm not a draft expert, but draft experts seem to think that he is a uh, he's bound for a, a career overseas professionally. So um you know, March Madness was going to be his like one one shiny moment <laughs> for lack of a better term. Yeah. It was going to be his one uh time to, you know, this was his last moment to kind of do it on a massive stage in front of the country. So now everyone's saying and by everyone, I mean like five people, but that's enough. Um, they're saying we should make, we should allow seniors to play Tate. Where do you fall on this? Give I them fall in. Let's just, yeah, let's just be sensible about it, right? Like, I mean, I know it's all about scholarship limitations and it's all about the fact that we can't fit these rosters together and it would cost money for the schools. The, 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 everyone's making enough money to add two or three guys that are seniors that are on scholarship to give them one extra year. I saw someone even suggest that they can't play until we get to tournament time. And I was like, that would make absolutely no sense. So if they're going to do something as stupid as that, which is like Cassius Wins is going to sit out the entire year. And then when the tournament comes, he's going to like show up to Michigan State yeah. and say, what's up, boys? Let me take your starting spot. I have like Rocket Watts sit on the bench. No, I actually like that idea. Instead of Cassius Winston isn't at Michigan State that whole oh, time. Like no, no, no. But but not like not a situation where Cassius Winston goes back to Michigan State and then sits the whole time. It's a situation where Cassius Winston gets to play professionally. Yeah. And then he takes a hiatus in his professional oh. season and goes back and joins the team for the tournament run. I want that. That's what I want. We know what we call that. That's the Rick. That's the Rick Pitino. Yeah. He's doing professional basketball in Greece, and then he comes back to college basketball and he gets the opportunity yeah. that fits him right. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm ready for the Big Ten tournament. Cash is winning this back. We're gonna make it." Run. Yeah, imagine. I could do that. Imagine like oh, maybe, maybe we just. That. That's a great idea. Imagine Obi Toppin, who's going to be like a top five pick, and he's he's playing in the league and he's averaging like fifteen and six a game as a rookie, and then in the middle of March, it's a one month hiatus from whatever team he's playing for. He's on the the Cavs or the Warriors or something like that, and he just takes a one month hiatus to go join Dayton and try to win a national title that he didn't get a chance to win this year. I like it. I like that idea. I could do that. I, I do think that the only thing that I will say that can salvage this this whole you mentioned like what are we gonna do? It's like it's a pitch it's a pitch process, right? Everyone's on Twitter, everyone that's like the media everyone wants to like give their idea for how we can solve this, you know what I mean? And we're playing into that game right now by trying to figure out how to solve this. But I, I do find that interesting where it's so unprecedented that something drastic could happen where the NCAA could come out and say, Mamadi Diakite can come back to Virginia next year. Mm -hmm. He can play. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, he, and he's got the full year. Cassius Winston can come back and play. Marcus Howard, Miles, everyone, they can come back and play because, I mean, they, like you said, they didn't get their shot. They didn't get their one shotting moment. So maybe this is the way to repay them back. But I don't understand. I don't know what the ripple effect is for all that. And obviously, a lot of people were saying there's cancels, cancelization, there's postponement, which the NCAA postponed the season. It, this is not professional sports. There was no way that it could work. Yeah. And the, as much as you don't, and we don't want to admit this, like, you know, March Madness is March Madness. That's trademarked in may if it's in august if it's in october like they hurt their own man. like they're not going to do that you know what i mean so when it was canceled it was canceled for a reason this will be something that we talk about 
years to come, we'll always remember 2020, the year that we didn't have a tournament, the year that we didn't have a champion. And if you're a Virginia fan, I think this is one of those weird moments where like they had never, they hadn't won a title. You know, they had the NITs. Yeah. I mean, look, you got the hat on, like they get two years of being the national champions after all that talk that they Mm -hmm. had to listen to since Tony went to Virginia. You know what I mean? Like, and now they get an extra year to just kind of gloat about the fact that we're the national champions. So I think, you know, that's an interesting wrinkle to all this too, where we're always going to remember the year that Virginia was able to kind of carry the torch for two years. We should have Kyle guy back on the podcast. Talk about winning the national championship. We really should. Like we'll just replay that game. That's a great idea. Talk about those moments. That's a great idea. Have Kyle guy back on Virginia. That's God's plan all along is for Virginia to, uh, (laughs) to remain national champions. Um, they get another year. If I can put my serious cap on for a second, I have my Virginia cap on. Yeah. If you're watching on Fox sports, I'm paying homage to Virginia for, for being the reigning national champion still uh longest reign longest title reign in the history of college basketball um uh if i can put my serious cap on for a second so you mentioned how everyone seems to to want to salvage this somehow we want to we want to postpone it instead of cancel it we want to come up with the a rule that allows these guys to come back we want to everyone's desperate to figure out something like we can't just let this go and Part of me thinks like maybe that's why I I don't want to watch highlights and I don't want to try to salvage it because I know you can't salvage it and I think it's like maybe maybe I mean listen it, it, you go to college again let me let me get serious for a second you go to college the, the joy of college basketball the joy of the college experience is these guys show up on campus the, the stereotype the, the the trope is they show up on campus as boys they leave as men and you watch them over four years they they learn life lessons they uh. They, they mold into more mature adults and then they get spit out into the world and they contribute to society. And that's the whole uh, arc of these guys. Um, I think that this is just one of those life lessons that like sometimes shit happens. Sometimes like really, really bad things happen. There's no one to blame. There's no one to point the finger. It's like adversity is going to be thrown at you and you can't like get what you want. <laughs> like some, and I think like, in that regard, it's weirdly like a good lesson for the the players in a weird way. I don't know how else to describe it. They're like, they're, this is going to happen again in their lives where like they have all their ducks in a row. They think something should happen a certain way. And then for no reason whatsoever, no, it, it, it can't be explained. Something happens. It, it ruins everything. And then how do you respond? You know, like that's the that's the lesson to be learned here, I guess. And I guess like, that's how I see it is just like the tournament's not happening. There's no point in trying to salvage it. There's no point in trying to pretend like it is happening. We just have to pick ourselves up, figure this shit out that we're going through as a society right now. And then let's reconvene in November and try to have a new season next year. And um, I don't know, it sucks, but like, let's celebrate. We can celebrate like all the good stuff that happened this year and all that. But um, I don't know. I think I think that's where I've kind of arrived with it all. Is like, yeah, this is really, 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 really bad. But I guarantee you, unfortunately, um, losing out on an NCAA tournament opportunity is not going to be the worst thing that happens in these guys' lives. And with that, like, maybe learn a lesson from all of this. And when you go on with your life, remember the time that it was all put on a platter for you to go win a national championship, and it got taken from you for no reason. And then uh, maybe you apply whatever lesson you learned to that situation in your life where there are actual stakes instead of a trophy. There's like actual stakes where like, I don't know, something traumatic happened in your life and like someone someone died too soon and now you have to like console a loved one about that or I don't know. 
that's way too serious for this show, but that's kind of where I've arrived with it all. So anyway, we can talk about Rick Pitino now. Absolutely. You know, it's a real, it's, no, it's a real conversation for sure. And like you said, I mean, sometimes you, you don't get what you want, but you get what you need. And I think, you know, right now we need to all come together and, uh, and like you said, focus on what actually matters in this life and realize that March Madness is a precious thing. And when we have it in our lives, we need to enjoy it. We need to embrace it. And I know next year, hopefully in 2021, when it is back, we're going to ride high. We'll be in yeah. tuxedos. We will be dropping bags. We will be having the best times of our lives. My question to you is this. Do you think it should work like skins in golf where um, next year is worth two titles? Whoever wins it next year can now hang two banners. I think so. I think that's the solution. I think it, it just carries over. Next year's tournament, has there's, the stakes have never been higher for the, the NCAA tournament next year. <laughs> I, I, here's my pitch. You know, in, in a time of pitches, let's give, let, I'm going to take the serious cap back off. Uh, and in time of pitches, Condoleezza Rice, get a committee together. And I don't care how many people are in the committee. I don't care if Colin Powell's on it. I don't care. Get a committee together and basically get in a room. And this is like, you know, four months down the line, maybe in August, hopefully, if everything's going well and everyone stays quarantined. In August, Condoleezza Rice gets a group together and they decide once and for all who is the national champion. And we go old school AP style. You know, back in the day before we had the BCS or anything where we just decided who the national champion. When Auburn, you know, and they were like, we're also national champions. Or like, you know, we, we had this whole argument. And they get in a room, Condoleezza Rice releases the report. She says, Kansas national champion congratulations to coach self and the ku jayhawks and it goes out to the world and then we just get to the the responses because they're going to be multiple teams that think they should have won it you know dayton will probably come out gonzaga will come out kentucky will obviously come out cow will come out and then we just get like you said a setup for that 2021 title to mean something even more because ku will have a target target on their backs because i think general consensus i know that i feel this way kansas was national champion in my mind based off the product of the regular season, mm -hmm. what Doke had done at the end of the year, the run that they were kind of on. So if Condoleezza Rice can put a committee together, announce a national champion, and then just start the whole drama around that, I think that may be good for college basketball. That's my only hope. I like it. Except do it, do it like the Helms Foundation, and instead of doing it in August, do it like in 40 years from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And have a bunch Perfect. of people who weren't even alive. Yeah. <laughs> who weren't even alive during this time. Bill, yeah, Bill they're arguing the over it. They're pouring over the numbers. He's the coach at Kansas now. You know, he's third generation yeah. self, and he's arguing over his grandpa. That's what we want. I'm with you. I think Kansas. I think Kansas was obviously going to win the national championship. Um, as was Dayton. Um, <laughs> as was, I think Gonzaga was definitely winning as well. I think you got to throw Michigan State in there, and I think Florida State was also going to win the national championship so those are my five national champions hang a banner all five of you congratulations you did it um oh i forgot to make this but i forgot to say this uh we were talking about the eligibility earlier and then we'll, we'll talk about patino because that's more fun and, and we can finally put the the tournament being canceled to bed um i think with the eligibility thing i because i've made this point before on the show i don't think there should be eligibility limits period i think there should be i think the way handle the eligibility issue is now is a great time for the NCAA to finally come out and say you're eligible as long as you're pursuing a higher degree you're eligible like I, I I've never had a, a good explanation as to why this is a bad thing where if 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 you're pretending you're an organization the NCAA and you care about the students first the student part of student athlete first that's that's why they're called student athletes not athlete students um if that is the case, then if a guy like Cassius Winston, for example, wants to now get his master's, he may have already got his master's. If he wants to go to medical school at Michigan State and also play basketball on the side, 
he should never run out of eligibility. As long as he's like on track to continue to pursue like a, a, a higher degree, I don't understand why you wouldn't reward that. Like that is wouldn't that be a dream scenario for isn't that what the isn't that the NCAA's wet dream is like Cassius Winston plays twelve years of college basketball and he's yeah. just like he graduates and he's like a lawyer and a orthopedic surgeon and a, and a philosopher. And, you know, like, I don't understand how this is a bad thing because the, the, the counter to this is like, well, you can't have got, you can't have like super talented guys just sticking around forever. And it's like, well, I mean, professional basketball is going to be more lucrative always. So there's going to come a certain point where like, if a guy's talented enough, he's like to hell with this. I'm not going to keep working on my seventh degree at school. I want to go get some money in the NBA or overseas or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a, it, this is a great time to put that rule into place. It's, Why do we have eligibility limits at all? It doesn't make any sense. And, and the only thing that popped in my mind, you were like the NCAA's dream for this. All I could think about was when Eric Montreal signed a 13-year contract with the Celtics as a rookie. And I just kept thinking about the idea of Eric yeah. Montreal playing 13 years of college basketball and how much people would hate North Carolina if he was the center at North Carolina for 13 years and left, as you said, an orthopedic surgeon. You know, I mean, you got to watch a guy yeah, dominate I mean, that's parts the, and then he's going to fix your ankle or whatever's going on. <laughs> I mean, there there are obvious limitations to it because at some point, like, a guy's going to run out of, like, degrees he can go after. Yes. And then that's when his eligibility gets exhausted. Or um, at some point, he's going to be like, I'm 34. Like, let's I don't want to be in college anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get out of here. Like, it's going to run its course, but I don't understand how that doesn't feed into exactly what the NCAA purports itself to be, which is, like, exalting the student above the athlete part of it all um and keep getting and 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 the benefit to like if we're using Cassius Winston as an example the benefit to him is like he's always wanted to to be a doctor say he can now go to medical school for free because he'll have an athletics he'll be on scholarship versus like going to play professionally and come back and maybe has to pay his own way now and maybe he doesn't have that much money because he was playing in Lithuania making 78 grand a year for six years or whatever it was and he doesn't know if he can afford it or so he's like no I'm going to stick around at Michigan State I'm going to pursue a medical degree and then uh after six more years of playing (laughs) then I'll go pro yeah Yeah, I don't know I don't know that sounds like a fair deal and it also that's my idea it makes it yeah. it makes it so much better because then you have like thirty year olds playing thirty year olds. You know what I mean? It's like a it's just a weird twist of fate. Yeah. It's like these are actual student athletes. You know what I mean? These people are dedicated to the university. In fact, people like the professors. There's always for people that don't understand this, the academia at institutions and the athletic departments usually don't get along, right? There's usually a, a different objective on both sides of things. You know, I, oddly enough, who would have thought? So the idea that the academia could involve with the actual, you know student athletes i get these professors know cash is winston because he's been in classes for eight years that sounds great i mean that, that sounds like a win-win for it's everybody. fantastic so, yeah we'll just keep throwing out ideas for everyone uh because this That's is great the time. tate the perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come so when you need to find that next person to help grow your business linkedin jobs will match the right talent with your open role and they will do it fast linkedin has over 675 million members worldwide LinkedIn job screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you were looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Do you think, uh, do you think Iona used LinkedIn to get uh, Rick Pitino? I don't know. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by the people you want to hire, people with the skills, qualifications, and other interests that will help your business grow. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn and why companies rated LinkedIn jobs the number one hiring platform 
for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash Titus. Hey, there it is. Again, that's linkedin.com slash Titus to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Back to the show. We have to we have to talk about the one thing that is going on though, which is Rick Pitino has come back to college Sports? basketball Tate. Sports? Spots? Spots? <laughs> um so this also happened pretty quickly. If we're talking about like the developing news and how the tournament was canceled like in seemingly the snap of a finger, uh Rick Pitino d- dare I say there's a joke there, Tate. A fifteen mm. second joke in how this story developed. Yeah. Um yes. premature reports. We yeah. got we got word sources close to the situation uh, were in our ear. Um, what was this about a month ago? That yes. um, you called they, me they a told month ago. More excited than anything. I called you a month ago to tell you that very reliable sources were telling me that Dan Marley was going to get fired at Grand Canyon, and he knew he was going to get fired. And Dan Marley, it, he might quit before he's even fired because he knows he's about to get fired. And they were also telling me that the Jerry Colangelo. Rick Pitino relationship uh, could be enough to bring the Godfather himself, Rick Pitino, back to the states and and end up at Grand Canyon University, which like had my head spinning. I mean, the idea of Grand Canyon, a school that you and I have fallen in love with, we love that student section more than anything in the world. Um, the idea that that student section would be paired with this man uh, was was so so exciting and. And I talked myself into it. And then you found you dug up the clip. You remember because you remember when Louisville played at Grand yes. Canyon. And then you found the uh, the screenshot of Patino at the the press conference standing in front of the GCU um, backdrop with the Nike look. And I I had talked myself into Patino coming home to Grand Canyon. And then Marley gets fired. And then you're hearing reports about Patino has told his team in Greece that he's not coaching in Greece anymore. He's coming to college. And oh my God, like I. I don't know. It was it was everything I needed. Just the I I really thought it was about to happen that he was going to go to Grand Canyon, and then in the snap of a finger, all the people that were in the know were like, "No, he's going to Iona," and he didn't make it a secret at all. Like apparently, Patino, because I started calling like all these reporters. You start seeing people tweeting like Iona done deal, or like it looks like Patino's going to Iona. So I started reaching out to a lot of these guys. I was like, "How do you know this?" And they're like, "Oh, I just I just called Rick, and he'll tell us." <laughs> he's telling everybody, <laughs> he's not trying to make it a secret at all. Um. And he ends up at Iona, which I got to say, nothing against Iona, but this is a really disappointing result because you, you, you're talking like LMU is still open, Tate. It's a job that is right down the street from both of us. Uh, we, we, could, we, could bo- we could both be sitting courtside at every LMU game with Rick Pitino on the bench. Um, I, had, I had that in my head, that that could possibly happen. Uh, Grand Canyon obviously was was the place he had to be, and he ends up at Iona basically because he has an apartment in the city, and that 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 was like his quote. He's like, "I'm 25 minutes away from my apartment in the city. I love it. This is great. This was the job for me." <laughs> Let's work it all backwards, right? Because when this all happened with Grand Canyon, first we we figured out that they chartered all their flights, right? So we're like, checks the box. That's Rick Pitino. We got Jerry Colangelo at the top of Grand Canyon. That's old USA basketball, Illuminati basketball. Checks the box, Rick Pitino. Private school. We can get anyone into Grand Canyon. Checks the box. The only thing that didn't check the box with Grand Canyon was PR. They put out to the world that Dan Marley was fired or relieved relieved of his duties the day that basically the tournament was canceled. It was like the same day. It was like the worst PR timing mm-hmm. with all this where you're just kind of like, what are you guys doing? And that was the moment that I knew there's no way Ricky P is going to be. 
Like that's that's not Rick Pitino's MO now because Rick Pitino, like you said, is a part of the media. Or not a part of the media, but he's with the media. Because he realized at Louisville, right, that he basically, the media wanted to get rid of him. Like they, they didn't like him and Tom Jurich and they were like, these guys are bad. This is strike three. Let's get him out of town. This this is time. Let's do it. And that's what happened. I read his Q&A. Rick Pitino did a Q&A with everyone, ESPN, 247, everybody that would call him the day that he took the Iona job. And when they asked him about Louisville, he gave the same answer, which is basically like, I was mad at the board of trustees. I was mad at the school. I, I, I was mad at the way I was treated. But I don't care. I'm past it. I'm past it. And the reason he's past it is because he has been able to own his own narrative because now he's cool with all these reporters. So he's over in Greece. He's winning games. We got, you know, John Gonzalez flying over there, giving him a full profile. Like, this is what it's like to be in Greece. You know, like my big fat Greek wedding with Rick Pitino, like the full story, giving him the full rundown. And he's living the dream. And then he, Iona calls him. And they're like, do you just want to live in your normal apartment? Really have a good program that they've gone to what five of the last six tournaments? Like, Iona's a good program. They, they, they've done fairly well. And come in mm-hmm. and be with the Gales and just blow this thing up and, and be able to live your normal life, be Rick, be in New York City. Done deal. Absolutely deal. And if you're Rick Patino and if you're Dickie V, who already said it, he was like, we need the Jimmy V Classic. Iona versus Kentucky, John Calipari versus Rick Patino in the Jimmy B Classic. Mm, mm. That's what it's going to lead to. Everybody's going to want to schedule games with Iona. Rick Patino is going to get five star recruits to go to Iona. People are going to be like, how did that happen? We're going to know why. I mean, the Gales, the Gales, we're going to know why. And then it's and, good, and, yeah. and then it's going to be, it's going to blow up where we, we tried to see it at Grand Canyon, but it really is at Iona, honestly. So it makes sense. Yeah. Iona is an Adidas school. Grand Canyon is a Nike school. We should have started there and realized Grand Canyon never had a shot. Adidas, Rick Pitino, and the Catholic Church together, Tate. And let me just say, those are three forces. These are three forces of nature that um, I, I am excited to see the, the the marriage of those three. Just what's going to happen on the college basketball scene in New York City? Throw a fourth in there. We have New York City Catholic Church. Adidas and Rick Pitino are all four coming together in New Rochelle. That's how you say it. Um, yes. The the suburbs of New York City. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, but I got to be honest. I I would care. I would have cared a lot more if he went to Grand Canyon or LMU. That would have got. That would have moved the needle for me. Iona. I'm slowly talking myself into it, but um, it was a selfish play. Rick was not thinking about the content. He was thinking about himself. He wanted. He just wanted it to live there because he wants to live in New York City, and I get it. But at the time, Rick, we are starved for content now. I mean, it, it, the fact that he took the job so quickly proves that. Like, if he if he was smart, he would have drawn this out for months. He would have said like he's interested in coming back to college basketball. He would have done recruiting trips himself. He would have had people yell at him that he should be quarantined, and then he's he's just like he's tweeting through it. Like every time he tweets, he's like flying across the country to go to Grand Canyon. Everyone's like, Rick, stay in your house. Yeah. You're part of the problem. And he's like trying to find this new job. And like, he, he never once addresses the criticism. Like this is what he should have been doing. And we could have all been laughing at like how Rick Pitino is the face of college basketball. And where is he going to end up? And he's just bouncing all over the country. Um, that's the content we need in these dark times. And Rick Pitino instead took a job in the snap of a finger that does not really move the needle for me, but I'm slowly talking myself into it when I did the whole, Adidas, Catholic Church, New York City, 
Rick Pitino thing. I'm back. I think. I think I'm. I think I'm in on this. But uh, it's good to have him back. At the end of the day, it's good to have him back because when when next season starts and we don't know what to talk about, we can always just pull up Iona, figure out what the hell's going on, and be like, let's get the Rick Pitino report. What's going on with Iona? I will guarantee. I will guarantee you this. Rick Pitino will say is an I in Iona and I am Iona. You know what I mean? Like I, this, this is my program. Like I run everything here. And to me, there are two coaches in college basketball, and professional basketball that have overlapped and have been basically uh, uh, just above all of them. That's Larry Brown and Rick Pitino. And both of them have been able to maneuver the situations in, in multitudes of ways, right? By doing crooked things, but right on the line and also being great basketball minds at the same time. And I, the article I read, Rick Coutinho was like, they don't know how to play defense in Greece, but they do know how to run offense. So he learned all these new offensive sets that he's going to bring to Iona, and he's like excited to them in college basketball and thinks he's going to work people because they don't know how to deal with them because they're all these Euro sets. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Like, oh, that's going to be great. You got a defensive Rick Pitino team, all these like weird Euro sets. It's going to blow up that whole league. That'll be great. That makes a lot of sense to me. The only thing I will say is he's not like Larry Brown in the sense that Larry Brown was doing what you were talking about, which is like he made a tour of it. He mm-hmm. was like, oh, SMU got the death penalty? They're down to get down like that? Yeah, I'll go to SMU. I'll blow it out. You know, I'll do the full thing. It seems like Rick, he kind of would like dip his toes back in. Larry Brown never dipped his toes back in. He's like, oh, Kansas wants to get rid of me? Oh, I'm going to UCLA. Or like, you know, you want to get rid of me? Like, I'm, I'm trying to get the North Carolina job. I, You know, whatever it may be. He was always going full throttle. So I kind of respect Rick for being, you know, a little, a little, you know, he has a little bit of trepidation before he got back in the league. Uh, he says that this so good is, on you, Rick. he says that this is the last job that he will have. Do you believe him, Tate? That this is the last coaching job he'll have? No. I don't either. No, this is I, not the last coaching job. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely I, not. I don't either, because I think I think what's going to what, happen. What is your number? What? What? What is your number? How many years? What do you mean? How many? Oh, how, how, how many, many years? I thought I thought we were trying to guess his buyout. Um, <laughs> I thought that's what you meant. I say, I give him three years, and I think I think what happens is this. No, I'm going to say four years. I think it's going to take two years for him to finally get clear of. All the NCAA thing, like it's going to take two more years for the NCAA to finally be like, we're we're not doing anything with Rick Pitino. He's off the hook. We have bigger fish to fry. Um, it, it, you, feel free to hire. He's not going to get a show cause, but that's kind of what's looming right now. Is like, is the NCAA going to tag him with a show cause and all that? Um, so he's going to get two years to do that. Then year three, he starts really. He's got his like recruits in. Everything's kind of rolling. Year four, he makes like the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. And then that's when, like, I don't know, St. John's is open again. And then they they come calling and he's like, great, I can keep my apartment. I'm taking the St. John's job. And then, because like at that point, St. John's also like Rick Patino can come back to like a major program because he has no violations anymore and everyone thinks he's clean. And yeah, the past is in the past. And yeah, I, I see that. I, that's how it's working out. There's no way he's retiring at Iona. There's no way. No, he's gonna get There's tired. There's no the, way he's gonna get tired. That of the can't cold. be how it works. I'll tell you this: he's gonna get tired of the cold weather at some point, and he's gonna decide that he wants to move to somewhere like San Diego, and he's gonna pull like the San Diego State job. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He's gonna do something like that, where it's like mm-hmm. I've done my due diligence here. I think four years is a great number. That was kind of the number I'm at. Four years builds this program up to four years. People can't really get mad at him for being there for four years. Like maybe four years, that's fine. And then he goes, makes a big leap. That's his final run. He's in warm weather. Maybe Florida. That seems like a more New York move. So maybe he goes down somewhere in Florida, like UCF or something that's, down in Florida. 
and, and that ends up. And I think he maybe wins a national title there. Honestly, dude, he goes to he goes to FIU. Yeah, <laughs> where his his son coached. Yeah. He takes over. Did you see his? Uh, did you see? Uh, I th- I think that was. That was Richard Patino, right? That that I, I think it was Richard Patino that got asked about playing in front of no fans because this was when it was announced that there were going to be no fans at the Big Ten tournament. Richard Patino said, "I'm used to coaching against uh, in front of no fans. I coached at FIU." I think it was him that said that. I might be putting words in his mouth, but I, well, I, I'm pretty sure it was him. Let's just assume he said um, that. I might be thinking of another. No, no, no let's just assume he said that because I love that. What else we got? What else we got to hit before we get out of here? We just got to hit. I mean, we just got to hit, honestly, in general. I know that this is kind of a hodgepodge of thoughts. We have a plan. We will have a plan together to kind of cover college basketball at some level. I don't know if we want to do the full, like, retrospective. Oh, I remember. Oh, I remember when that happened. Oh, I remember when that happened. But I think that we can have some fun with it. There's a lot of what-if moments in college basketball. Like, what if Gordon made that shot in 2010? How different is college Mm. basketball if Brad Stevens wins the title that first year? Is he still in college basketball? You know, we can play some what if games, but we also mm-hmm. can play some what if in the tournaments. Uh, like, you know, maybe if UABC doesn't get up by 16 points at one point, like what happens to that Virginia team? Do they have the resiliency to make a run the next year, win a title? I don't know. Maybe we ask Kyle Guy, but we got good good plans and good things coming up. I just don't, I don't want to sound defeated, even though I am quarantined and obviously pretty defeated on my own individual terms. But as a podcast, as a unit, there will be brighter days, and uh, that's all I can say. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, what's, that's what's crazy, too, which is like, I yeah, we have plans, but my God, the world changes every 12 hours. Exactly. And who the hell knows what's going yeah. to happen. Yeah, in the words of Mike, I gotta be honest, in the dude, words of Mike Tyson, it, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's all it is. Everyone's got a plan until there's no toilet paper and you got to shit. Um, because I got to be honest with you, if... Bidets. You taught me about bidets. I'm a bidet guy. I'm yeah. about to move apartments, and I'm installing my bidet at the new place. I couldn't the, the apartment I'm in now wouldn't let me install a bidet, so I'm so excited to move. But um, yeah, I have plans to continue the podcast. But uh, if if a state of emergency is declared such that you know people are stabbing each other for rolls of toilet paper, uh, I'm not really sure. I'm interested in <laughs> in coming on here and discussing <laughs> discussing whether Cade Cunningham is going to work out at Oklahoma State next year. And how good do you think he's going to be? <laughs> well, I'll talk to Gottlieb about that. Uh, yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll keep it. You'll keep it moving. Um, the only other thing, I had two shout outs. I wanted to shout out Penny Hardaway, who uh, said at the start of the year that he was going to win the national championship. And unfortunately, he never got his opportunity. And so I want to retroactively, I know I only named five teams that were going to win the national championship. I want to add Penny to that list. If, Memphis was definitely going to win the national championship. Um, and he, he somehow got out of it. Like two, two, You know what? Another shout out. Two people got out of, out of declarations. Number one, Penny Hardaway um, said he's going to win the national championship. It was going very horribly wrong for him. And somehow he still wasn't wrong because the tournament didn't happen. Nobody so did. congratulations, Penny. And then our guy, the DePaul walk-on, what's his name? Uh Pantelis or something. Yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about. The yeah, guy with yeah. the rec specs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I forget how to pronounce his name. Uh, I interact with him on Twitter every so often. Sorry, buddy. Um, he had tweeted that if DePaul, like when DePaul was good, when they were like six and zero or whatever it was, he had tweeted in November that if if DePaul does not make the tournament, if DePaul is not a tournament team, he will shave his head. And then DePaul won their first game in the Big East tournament, and the Big East tournament got canceled, and the NCAA tournament got canceled before. They technically lost in the tournament, 
in the Big East tournament. So he was technically still alive, even though DePaul was in 10th place in the Big East and was horrible and was definitely not making the tournament. They were gonna make he it. somehow weaseled his way out of that as well. So shout out to those two guys for like doing the Joe Namath and sticking your neck out and, and making bold, bold claims that, weirdly enough, it looked like they were going horribly wrong, but weirdly enough, were uh, saved in the end by oh, the tournament being canceled. And speaking of those terms, final shout out, NC State, uh, Duke. Uh, basically decided that they did not want to play in the AC tournament, so they win that game due to a forfeit. So NC State made it the furthest in the ACC tournament, which means that they would have made it into the NCAA tournament, which means they would have made a run like 1983 because Kevin Keats is a winner. So add NC State to that list as well. Uh, NC State national champion. NC State also would have won a national yeah, title. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and I finally I want to shout out I want to sh- I want to shout out Greg Marshall for sh- uh, social distancing. I don't know if you're paying attention to this tape, but Wichita State's entire team is like transferring it seems um i can't i can't get oh a read gosh. on exactly how many guys are transferred but uh every time i'm on twitter and i hit refresh jeff goodman's talking about some other guy that's leaving wichita state so uh greg marshall he gets it he he is not part of the problem he is social distancing he's kicking all of his guys out pushing them out the door saying go go somewhere else uh-huh. and uh he's distancing himself from his own team so respect to him for that yeah good job greg good marshall. job greg yeah marshall's <laughs> law that's what it is Mar- there you go, Marshall. That, that's the martial law. Yeah, there it is. Law. We're yeah. living under martial law yeah, right there. There it is. All right, we'll be back on Friday. Uh, stay safe out there, everybody. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> that's it. Hunker down. Be safe. Be well. We'll see you on Friday. <laughs>